Welcome back to the podcast episode 90. You're back with Hoop and Saney. Um, it was a long absence, but it was for a reason. We're very excited for today's episode. I never thought we'd be talking about this for an extended period of time, but the 2012 Charlotte Bobcats. I don't know if I've ever been more hyped for an episode. I, I'll say this, and this is why I'm really excited. This is the first time where um, genuinely, like, see, see, the point of our deep dives is we kind of look at, like, the other side of things. We try to look at the facts, and, and we did go into this unbiased. We're not, we're not, we're not haters. But we're really gonna seem like haters. That's all I'm gonna say. That, that's how bad they were. That's bro. how bad they are. Like we, I, I tried to pick out any like, um, anything good, and we'll we'll see. Uh, but real quick before we start the episode, I just wanted to obviously give our, or me and Hoop wanted to give our apologies to the fans, the the listeners of the show. I know it's been like just under a month since we last recorded. It was for good reasons. It was for legal reasons. We we weren't signed technically. We were signed back to the same people we were signed to before. Forever Network, great people. But it was a whole process. And the fact that I was in school as well, I just started up school. It was hard to get like the contract details and a meeting done. But I flew out to New York, I think like 10 days ago, right? Met up with Hoop, met up with the with Alex, the CEO. Um, we met up with the whole forever, like the crew. It was awesome. And uh, we got the contract done. We got it signed. Over, and then over the an weekend, Argentinian steak dinner. It was a beautiful was- dinner. Beautiful dinner, beautiful atmosphere. <laughs> and then the weekend that was following, we were going to do this episode. So last weekend, and then I got hit with Hurricane Lee. Um, so I couldn't record. You know, there was a, the conditions obviously didn't allow me to. There was no power, uh, which is why we were a week late. So we technically could have went back into action last week. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm just happy that we're back. And let's just hey, get this episode started. Kobe would have recorded during a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> I I have like like in between I have like a wind up grinder I'm like doing this just trying to <laughs> no he's um, not really about it man saying he's not yeah, dedicated man. I'm not about it I don't have power I'm sorry I didn't I didn't tape a bunch of double A batteries to us yeah. <laughs> but, but um, one thing I'll say about New York was that uh because I had only seen Saini in person one other time when he again when he flew out and he was at my house um but I met him up in like a watch shop and this dude with it. Within two hours of walking around New York, was buying a watch. <laughs> and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Bro, it's a good investment." I was like, "All right then." Hey, watches are the coolest thing you can invest in as a man, okay? Because th- they don't like if you pick out like I got like a nice Omega Speedmaster, it was the S Watch collab. I got Jupiter. That shit was oh, apologies. <laughs> that watch is fire. All right, like come on, that was a fire watch. It was worth it, um, and I wear it every day. Like I've worn it every day since I bought it. It's like my favorite thing in the world. I'm not saying it's a bad purchase. I'm just saying it's so funny, and that's like yeah. Something the, we that met up would... in the watch store. He came yeah. and met me in the watch store. He's like, "Where well, are you?" We finalizing to... a deal. I'm walking around uh, Times Square, and I'm like, "Hoop, hoop, you gotta wait for me." And he's like, "What?" I'm like, "Hoop, man, like I'm telling you, I'm 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 in Omega right now. You gotta wait for me." I turn around. He, I'm at the cashier. He just walks up behind me. I'm like hugging him. I'm like, how you doing? The cashier's waiting for me to pay. He's like, yo, can you hear <laughs> No, that's funny. No, man, it was a good watch. It was a good investment. It was a little celebration to uh, the new deal, of course. So, Yeah, uh, we're very excited about that. We can finally get back rolling. Um, and what a what a banger to start off with. The, Bobcats. The 2012 Charlotte the Bobcats. Bobcats, man. For those who are not uh, watching this on YouTube, which I imagine is most of you, I am wearing a Charlotte Bobcats Raymond Felton jersey right now that I found on eBay. I was so thrilled when I got my hands on this. It's like the orange one from 
maybe like oh seven or something i don't know um maybe later before, before but, the dark days i also own a charlotte bobcats hat which i am wearing right now i might be the only dude outside of north carolina to own bobcats gear but then i also have a michael kid gilchrist bobcat shirt i just like collecting <laughs> this stuff because it's so obscure and um i don't know i'm just like an nba nerd like that but i'm rocking it right now getting in to the actual organization now not even the, the charlotte bobcats um i want to talk about how the lead up to the worst team of all time kind of happened and i'm not gonna credit this to my own research i watched this amazing documentary um What's it called? Paying the people uh, the to people wear you play to the people you pay to be in the, shorts. The people you pay to be in shorts. It is a gem. Uh, it's a literally two and a half hours of straight 2012 Charlotte Bobcats. Um, it's done by Secret Base. Highly recommend. Um, but basically, if we're starting from like the foundation of the Charlotte basketball organization, they started with the Hornets in 1988 with this dude George Shin, who was like the owner. Um, he, he rivals James Dolan for, like, the worst owner of all time. I don't know if you saw Sandy James Dolan just came out and said that he doesn't even like owning teams. <laughs> Why don't you sell them then? I don't know. Sorry, I, I go on a whole other rant. Um, I thought that was crazy. But with the beginning of the, uh, the Hornets organization, after getting the team off the ground in the first few years with, you know, rough records because you're literally just starting out with new players, um, the Hornets made did make the playoffs seven out of ten times in a decade stretch, um, and they had really great players: Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Glenn Rice, Baron Davis. Um, but Shin was the bad egg of like a good batch, and he was still an awful owner, even though the team was good. Um, he got fed up, and when Michael Jordan wanted stake in the team in 1999, he wanted to get in that early. Uh, Shin refused. Shin then moved the Hornets to New Orleans in 2003, um, and Charlotte now had an empty uh, space with no team in the 2003 and 2004 seasons. So when the, the Hornets were gone, there was a two-year gap before the Bobcats moved in. Um, what's crazy is that in moving to New Orleans, uh, George Shin told like the city of Charlotte to quote-unquote kiss his grits. I thought that was so funny. Um, but now the NBA has a new owner um, that wants to bring in a team to Charlotte. This is now an 05. His name is Robert Johnson. And when, you know, people call uh, Robert Bob. Uh, and he named his team the Bobcats, like after himself. Um, not to mention, it is really like the most bland and ugly um, logo I think the NBA had at that time. Um, that's up for debate, but it wasn't, it was not great. Anyways, the Bobcats now start off their franchise with the second overall pick, Emeka Okafor. Um, they were assigned the fourth, but they traded up because they wanted this absolute stud lock hall of famer, Emeka Okafor. Uh, and they paired him with Raymond Felton the next year, uh, who was the fifth pick of the 2005 draft. Um, Obviously, they were bad the first year, they were bad the second year, but a young Gerald Wallace was also another core piece of the team. So they had some some pieces to put together on this new newly found organization. Now, in 2006, MJ gets his feet back in the water um, and is now the head of all basketball operations in Charlotte. His first draft pick was Adam Morrison, third overall of the 2006 draft. What, what a bang. 
Now, of the three draft picks that I talked about, Okafor, which they traded up to get, Raymond Felton, and Adam Morrison, the three players that went a pick before them were Dwight Howard to, to Okafor, same position, Chris Paul to Raymond Felton, same position, and LaMarcus Aldridge to Adam Morrison, the same position. To, to be fair, to be fair, with the um, uh, Okafor and the Howard, the situation, Hornet, the Hornet said they'll take whoever's left on the board. So it's not like they intentionally like left Howard. Yeah, as but, a pick, like, like I'll yeah. give them, I'll like Howard, like that's not on them. But I don't know about Chris Paul and and, and Lamarcus Aldridge. I don't know what the decision making was there. So don't. That is wild. But anyways, the Bobcats, even with missing out on all these players, did actually make the playoffs in 2010, which I think a lot of people uh, never attribute to them because they just were so awful aside from that. But they had a nice lineup of Raymond Felton, Steven Jackson, Gerald Wallace, Boris Diaw, Tyson Chandler. That is like a, that's a fundamental lineup. Like that's, that's a, that's a very solid crew. Um, They also had the best defense in the league that year. Uh, Chandler was always a dog. But uh, Gerald Wallace was also an incredible defense. Like, they just had a, a really, really good defensive team. No offense, though. They got swept by the Magic um, the next year after failing. Not failing. Well, they did fail. They, after falling out of their playoff spot um, with a similar core, the roster got blown up. Now, we're going to get into the 2012 roster, but I wanted to explain how a playoff team literally two years before got blown up to the point where they were that bad in 2012. Um, and some of these moves are flat out awful they got no nothing good in return so tyson chandler which was the defensive anchor of this team was traded to the mavs for matt carroll eric dampier and eduardo nahara solid players i'm sure they're solid men as well they are not tyson chandler now gerald wallace is traded to the trailblazers for dante cunningham uh now nets gm sean marks or did he step down he was a Nets gm at some point Joel Prisbilla and two firsts, who turned out to be Tobias Harris and Shabazz Napier. So aside from the role players, you could say, oh, Gerald Wallace, they, they get Tobias Harris in return. Hold on, though. 2011 draft night. Charlotte drafts Kemba Walker at nine. Congratulations, Michael Jordan. You made a good pick. Tobias Harris was selected by Charlotte at 19, so they had Kemba and Tobias, but they traded him to the Bucks in a three-way deal with Sacramento. Steven Jackson from Bob, the Bobcats goes to the Bucks with Tobias Harris. They let go of Steven Jackson and Tobias Harris. Steven Jackson also was very good for them. I believe he was the leading scorer. In return for Corey Maggetti. And like literally that's it. Tobias Harris and Steven Jackson for Corey Maggetti. Now Sacramento in the deal got Jimmer Fredette and they gave Bismack Biumbo to Charlotte. Um, so they kind of traded uh, Tobias for Bismack. Um, but also a team a player that was really good for the um, Bobcats the year prior was actually Kwame Brown. And people don't acknowledge that he was actually like a decent uh, defensive anchor in Charlotte for a year. Um, and he anchored a middle-of-the-pack defense in 2011, but they signed, but he signed with the Warriors a week after the Bobcats thought they'd re-sign him in free agency. Um, now, leading up to the season... Like before we get into the the roster, now you have this entire new team where it's a lot of Kemba, Bismack, the people I talked about saying he's going to go more in depth. But basically a whole bunch of new players that you just threw together. But there is a lockout going out in the 2011-2012 season. 
Um, and the players literally could not talk to management. So these guys are basically sitting around here with the new uniforms, not knowing what to do. And then as soon as the season starts in December, they only have a few weeks to rank up, ramp up instead of a full preseason. They were just sitting around. Um, so the schedule is also extremely compact due to the late start. And this is what we're talking about in terms of like the objectivity of this. Well, yes, they were awful. There were some reasons as to why they were this off. Like they would literally play like five games in a seven day week. Like there, there were weeks like that, which is absurd. Um, now what's crazy is that this is the last thing I got to say. These issues were heavily uh, caused by Michael Jordan as he led owners in trying to push the, uh, it's called BRI, it's basketball-related income line, to below 50% for players. So basically anything they make on jerseys, food, tickets, he wants the players, they maybe had like 53%, 57%, he wants them to get below 50 uh, And he was like a leading charge in the lockout. So that's all to say that it may have been a little self-inflicted with how crazy these circumstances are. But anyways... That is a brief history of the Charlotte basketball organization. Now, how the heck, what, what group of guys would it take to win seven basketball games? Well, that's a, <laughs> that was a what, beautiful what, transition. What group of men? Oh my, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> yes. uh, okay. So let's take a little look at the Ross here. So I, I went ahead and I, and I wrote down every player that played for Charlotte in the, in the, seven game win season and I wrote like a little bit of keynotes on each of them but some of them genuinely like I've never heard of in my life um and I apologize if I if I butcher the names when I pronounce them the first one I'm already gonna just just looking at it um but let's let's go through the roster so uh, first up I have uh the Sagna no, no 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 all right all right I I only know this because I I heard someone else present pronounce it Sagana Ja you don't even Sagana pronounce ja, the, thank you. you don't even pronounce the D okay Sagana Shop. okay thank you God, why, why, why are D-E in front of his yeah. first name, but you don't pronounce it? Like, what is that? Anyway, Saganasov uh, played 27 games for the for the Bobcats that season. He averaged one point per game. Funny enough, he actually he works for the Mavericks, I'm pretty sure, as like a player development coach. Uh, so good for him. Uh, Jamario Moon played eight games, had no impact on the team. I'm just literally like, I, I went through every single player that played for a game this season. Eduardo... Uh, Najira, I think you just brought him up. He nah, played not nah, Nahara. Nahara. You said he was a solid player. He played twenty two games on uh, average. He, two he was point he, six. he played on the mellow nuggets. He was all right, but then he was just kinda torn he, up. Yeah, he averaged two point six points per game with the Bobcats. Yeah. Matt Carroll uh got eleven minutes per game in fifty three games played. Corey Higgins is Michael Jordan's godson. He was on the team. <laughs> <laughs> He averaged the least amount of minutes on the team, but averaged more points per game than four of his teammates. Bismack <laughs> uh, Biombo was the leading rebounder as a rookie with 5.6 rebounds per game. Tyrus, Tyrus still has potential, Thomas. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> no, that's his nickname. <laughs> no, I know. I know. He averaged 18.8 minutes per game, 5.6 points per game, started 30 games, and I say all this because they traded a first-round pick to get him. So, so yeah, that's a... DJ White, 18.9 minutes per game, 6.8 points per game, played less than 20 games after the season and never made a comeback to the NBA. 
Um, Boris Diao waved halfway through the season, led him to signing with the Spurs, and he won a ring. So he's like one of like the no, winners. I, I forever love Boris Diao. He did nothing Yeah, like wrong. He, he got a good when it came to the Bobcats team. Um, Derek Brown, average eight points per game, only player on the team to shoot above 50% from the field. Dang. He's the only player on the team to shoot above Wait, 50%. Hey, how many shots per game? Um, I mean, he averaged eight eight points per game, so it has to be like a, a minimum of okay. eight shots, right? Or maybe like seven, eight. Yeah, like he, not bad. You know what I mean? Like I sorry, take that. I'm, I'm I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to find a way to pick apart each of these guys, but uh, yeah, but like you know what I mean? Like I'll take that over what I'm taking now. Like yeah, just, yeah. Reggie Williams, twenty two point six minutes per game, eight point three points per game. Like nothing too special. He was just kind of Brian Mullins. Best two se- seasons of his career came with the Bobcats. Uh, and he started 25 out of the 65 games played that season. Um, DJ Augustine, one of the bright, I'm, I'm doing air quotations, one of the bright spots of the team, led his team in assists with 6.4 assists per game, but he shot 37.6% from the field. Kemba Walker did not start every game since he was a rookie. The actual bright spot of the team, I feel like the only like hope Bobcats fans had, but he also shot 36.6% from the field. Um, Corey Maggot only played. Bru- that M- is Maggett. disrespectful. What? Oh, I thought you just called him Corey Maggot because you wanted to call him a maggot. What's a it's maggot? Cor- it's, it's, what? 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 It's like a um like a disgusting little like like a bugger like a like a you know really? what a mag- like a maggot is really some ha- some has maggots. What? How do you say his name? Maggetti. Maggetti. Corey Maggett. Whoa, I was not being disrespectful. I promise you on everything I love. Oh my gosh. I, I was thought you were just making a crazy joke. I was like, that no, was out no, of pocket. No, that's so, whoa. I gotta look up what this means. Whoa, whoa. Is, do we have to restart the episode? Is it offensive? No, 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 no. Oh, legless what... larva. Especially the fly found that they came. Man, I wasn't trying to chill, 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 chill. No, no, I was not trying to be. I thought I said something super offensive. No, 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 no. All right, Maggetti, it does, I apologize. It does sound like a, like an awful word. Like That's all, okay. I apologize. I'm terrible with pronunciation. Apologies. I should have. I should have. I should have looked how to pronounce these names beforehand. Rookie mistake. Okay. <laughs> Only played 32 games. He was on his last legs, but he averaged 15 on 37.3 percent. But he was like, this was the last double-digit scoring season he had. After this, he kind of faded out and retired. Um. And that's the, guy they, that's the guy they flipped, um, what's his name for, um, for uh, Steven Jackson, like their top scorer for McGee. Yeah. And he like yeah. kind of died off after the 2011 yeah. season. Um, best player on the roster was Gerald Henderson. He's the last player I'm going to mention. Played the most minutes and scored the most points, arguably the best season of his career stat-wise. He had another 15 points per game season the season after, but he shot a little worst. So, I mean, it's up for debate. But the roster was just a bunch of mid-roll players. Like, I, I did you hear one standout name? Like, not to be, like, like hey, you can't. So the bright spots of the team that I think are like competent on a certain roster. Obviously, no one's going to be competent on this roster. This is right. automatically a bottom of the barrel team based on the talent you have. I think Biombo and Kemba are two pieces that are not supposed to be anywhere near a starting lineup. But they can be <laughs> developmental in another. It's not like they don't belong in the NBA. Like there's some dudes yeah. on the roster who do not belong in the NBA. If you guys yeah. look up on your own time, uh, Sagana Ja free throw 
that dude did not belong on an NBA roster. I know exactly what you're talking about. Bro, he was three feet short. You know, to be fair, though, he didn't start playing basketball until he was 16. That doesn't mean he should be on the... Oh, man. <laughs> I, uh, no, but he's a uh, player development coach for the Mavericks. I also How? know... Uh, I'm pretty sure Skip Bayless called him the next Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, don't he quote, did. Don't he quote did. me on that. But... They did. No, he did. Like, they put a lot of pressure on the guy, man. That's not his fault. Bro picked up a ball at 16. <laughs> yeah. And he, I, like, what what, what was the reason to call him Hakeem? He's this big dude with the like African the, name, I, I guess. I, I'm telling you, I, I feel like I'm not, like, not going to pull a race card on Skip Bayless. No, I genuinely no. think yeah. he just saw a prospect. And this was before, like, a, like African basketball players were popular, right? Like, we, you, you, like yeah, Hakeem was, yeah, like, one of the first to do it. Over from, he's coming oh, over he's from Africa. Nice. Oh, yeah. he's going to be the next Hakeem. <laughs> Like, was that his mindset with this? No, I'm not even making a joke. Like, I'm being no, serious. Like, no, where, I'm just where are laughing the because of how hilariously serious it is. Like, where are the comparisons coming from? Like, I, I looked into his game, and I was like, what What did you see? <laughs> that was Hakeem. What said Hakeem to you? <laughs> yeah. but, I don't know. But let me, let, me, let me state this real quick. 40 of their losses this season were by double digits. 21 of their losses were by 20-plus points. Nine of their losses Hold were... Up. Tell them how many games they played. It was a 66. Oh, it was 66. It was only 66 So games. this is, bro, this is a shortened season <laughs> that they're losing 20-plus games by 20 more points. What? Bro, yeah, 21 games lost by 20-plus points. 40, point, 40 games were double digits. Nine losses were 30-point blowouts. And they ended the season on a 23-game losing streak. Their leading scorer was Gerald Henderson with 15.1 points per game. They averaged 87 points per game as a team, 30th in the league. Every other team, I'm pretty sure, hit the 90 mark. So they were like by far the worst scoring team. Worst team field goal percentage in the league with 41.4%. They also allowed the second highest field goal percentage from opponents with 47.5%. They shot 29.5% from three as a team, which was the league worst. Leading rebounder was Biombo with 5.8 rebounds per game. I believe I said 5.6 earlier. Apologies. 29th in the league in rebounding and 29th in opponents rebounding. Tied with the most home losses to end the season with 14, but that they, it was a shortened season. So they would have, I guarantee you they would have broken the record. Worst offensive with worst offensive and defensive rating in the league, 95.2 for the offensive, 110.4 for the defensive rating. I know you hate defensive rating hoop and offensive rating stats, but uh, when you're the league worst in both. No, 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 no. So I don't like defensive rating stats when you attribute them to a player because that's saying because ah, of their enough. environment around them. That's like saying if we threw Marcus Smart on this team that he would be an awful defender because the offensive, but he, he's not fixing that defense. Right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the defensive rating for a team makes total sense. They had a win-loss record of 10.6%. When you're worse than a team from like the 50s, because I think the next one was like the 57. The Sixers. Sixers or something Yeah, like it was. That. I think it was the 70s actually. Oh. Still, Maybe. that's still pathetic. Bro. Maybe, actually I might be wrong because that, that's Dr. G. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. This is still um, pathetic. I don't want to be rude. Like, I, I, like again, like, I don't want to be rude. Like, there has to be a worst NBA team of all time. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be a, a team that holds that title. That's just the reality of it. So uh, we're really not trying to be disrespectful when we say this. Yeah. But there's nothing good about this team. And um, I, so can I, can I start pulling out these cool? Go ahead. Because this is going to be a shorter pod because we can't ramble about this for however long. And especially if we start talking about, we could talk about why they were bad. And we also of, wanted to just get an episode out because it's been a while. Of course. Um, but what's so interesting 
to me about the season is that they won their first game against Milwaukee. So they start off 1-0. <laughs> um, against the team they just gave uh, Steven Jackson to. So they had just beaten the team they had made the big trade with. Um, and the next game, they were up by 15 on the big three heat at halftime of the second game. They were up 15 on LeBron, Wade, and Bosch by halftime in the second game. Uh, Dwight Howard then grabbed 24 rebounds against the Bobcats in game three. Uh, the They didn't own anyone. Own sounds so bad. Oh, my gosh. The Bobcats did not have on their roster anyone. <laughs> that sounded so bad. Um, was there anyone over six foot nine? How tall was uh, Big? No, Diop big, was uh, uh was Diop. Diop, yeah. I'm saying they were incredibly undersized. Yep. How tall was Mullins? He was seven foot. All right. Well, he was the worst. He was bad defensively. He was. He had a nice little uh, jump shot, but he he was a cone in the paint um so they got out rebounded every night um they also because I, w- I was looking into like how they thought they were gonna win uh because coach paul silas was saying that they since they're a small team they need to play with a lot of pace since they're playing kemba and dj augustine in the backcourt um it doesn't work when you don't have like any space i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself because i have a lot of facts that actually back this stuff up and it kind of shows why they were so awful um but these are just some of the facts about the season itself. Um, so this is by game four. Miami beat Charlotte by 39 points. After starting off, uh, was it 1-0 one and, one and oh, or was it 2-1? and one? Did they win their second game? Um, I'm forgetting the outcome of the Dwight Howard game. But Maggette, by the fourth game, called his team a high school team. Um, <laughs> by game five... You now have an awful Cavs team with like a rookie or second year Kyrie resting their starters the entire fourth. Um, they then went on to play a schedule of in twelve in a twelve day span nine basketball games and eight flights, which is absurd in a twelve day stretch. So once again, we're trying to trying to give them a little grace. That is an yeah. absurd schedule. Yeah. Um, and what is so funny about the season is that you know as as a team so bad you look at the maybe the rockets of last year the spurs there there's a light at the end of the tunnel right if you're that bad uh there's a draft coming up and as the season's going along uh anthony davis a generational prospect is emerging as like a unicorn of big men not that the term unicorn was used before like porzingis came around or whoever but he was like a clear lock by right. the middle of the college season as the number one pick for next year's draft. Um, so there is, right, a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but at the end of the... I'm sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna save that for last because that is just so hilarious. Um, some other fun facts about the team. Gerald Henderson was the leading scorer at, what, 15 a game? Um, MJ considered him a rising all-star and was untouchable in trades. Jordan also said don't rule us out of a playoff spot at the start of the season, um, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, the long-term goal for Charlotte was to make them a player-friendly destination with plenty of cap room. A sneaky playoff spot this 2012 season would help that case. The issue with the team, with how awful it was, is that 
they, I mean, they were bad at a lot of things. They're, they might have been worse at uh, outside shooting. They shot as a team under 30%. Like if someone, if there's a guard who shoots under 30% from three in today's game, can they even be in the league? I don't even know if they can mega rosters. Like who is shoots? there? Is there is there like a solidified guard that shoots under thirty percent right now? I mean, Ben doesn't shoot, but then again, is he even a guard? They're putting him in the dunker spot, and he, is he even like he barely he's in and out like of lineups? You know what I mean? But that's just crazy. Um, but what's more crazy about this stat that they're awful shooting is that this is largely due to the after effects of the previous coach, Larry Brown. Um, Paul Silas came in the halfway the year before, so in 2011. Um, Larry Brown was the head coach beforehand, and he publicly stated that he thought three-pointers were bad for the game. Therefore, he didn't bother to add shooters to the roster. So this is not all in the the 2012 Bobcats' like hands to just be, you were supposed to be a competent basketball team that fell short. They were just not a competent basketball team. Um, as you could see why. Um, a crazy story. Early on in the season, a rumor spread that the Charlotte Arena, which I think is Time Warner Cable Arena, which just sounds like a like a bad basketball team, Time Warner Cable Arena. Anyways, the team store had Jordan 11s in stock. Obviously, Michael Jordan was a part of the organization. The team store apparently has Jordan 11s in stock. The crowd was so overwhelming that the staff offered them free Bobcats tickets if they left. The crowd responded by saying they didn't want tickets. They wanted the shoes. <laughs> Is that not... Bro. Uh... <laughs> do you... Hold up. Do you... Yeah. Do you by any chance, like, I, I want to chime in on something. If you have this, I'm not going to say it. Do you by any chance know how much courtside tickets we're going for? No, can you can you please tell me? There's a story I saw on Reddit, and it was a guy, and he was really mad because he ended up missing the game because he missed his flight because the Philly airport. We're like, I, whoever this is, shout out to you. I, I just remember reading about this while researching. He got courtside tickets to a Bobcats game for $100, which included unlimited food, unlimited drinks. No Everything way. he wanted. And like literally like the whole VIP thing for $100. They were just trying to get rid of them. And his, his goal wasn't to watch the game courtside. He was just going to get his money's worth for the drink and food. And he was just going to eat his, and drink as much as he can. What? And you got, got a courtside experience. $100. That is... <laughs> Wow. So I believe the ticket's giving away for free. Yeah. Oh, and there's more stories about how the, the fans responded to the team. The Bobcats sold out a home game to watch Chris Paul on the other team since he went to Wake Forest and was born in North Carolina. North Carolina, like in terms of uh, the sport or the team hierarchy, literally every single college basketball team is ranked ahead of the Bobcats in terms of watchability at this time or throughout the Bobcats' um, existence. Like, they have Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest, like, Davidson. Um, it is absurd that in order to sell tickets to a basketball, NBA basketball game, you need to have a kid who's from North Carolina playing on the other team. That shows how awful they were. Um, 
here's another story. This is why I love Boris Diaw. There's a lot of reasons because he uh, is an amazing passer. He has a really cool story about him uh, being like a shooting guard for the Hawks and like supposed to be a superstar, but he literally just wanted to pass the ball like Magic Johnson, which I thought was really cool. But anyways, Boris Diaw, midway through this season, stopped shooting so he could try to be traded. Like he literally was just selling the team. Um, and Paul Silas said that the team would be quote unquote much better if he cared. I don't know if that improves their record all that much because Boris Diaw was at most a role player, but Charlotte eventually bought him out. Eduardo Nahara, who we mentioned earlier, got elbowed so hard in his, I'm sorry for laughing, elbowed so hard in the head, it dented his skull. <laughs> that, that was another happening of the season. Here's another one. Paul Silas, head coach shoved six foot ten Tyrus Thomas into a locker. Paul Silas is how old? He must have been like 65 uh, into a locker after a loss to the Celtics. Um, one Sunday, fans at the Time Warner Cable Arena had the chance to get free tickets. If you came to the Sunday game, they were giving you free tickets for a game the next night. And the next night, the attendance still sucked the last game of the season decided whether or not they'd have the worst winning percentage ever. We said they had a 23 game losing streak to end the season. And if they had won one of those games, they would not be the worst team of all time based on winning percentage. Um, and this game against the New York Knicks was nationally televised for some reason to avoid being the worst. Yeah. They had to win one of their last 23. Um, and how, how do you, as a, as an NBA franchise, how do you not win one of 23 when your life is depending on it? And they were saying literally throughout the whole streak, man, I hope we win one. Like they actually care about not being the worst team of all time. Like it's going through their heads. At the last game at home, Jordan was booed at his home crowd. Like home crowd booed Jordan. Um, and Gerald Henderson before the game, you know how like a lot of like they'll go to center court and kind of hype the fans up. You go, know, you know, thanks for supporting us. Thanks for the great season. He literally apologized before the game. Gerald Henderson. For how sorry the team was. He went out and apologized to all 12 people sitting in the stands. Um, the last thing I have to say, I'm sorry if I've been rambling for a lot, but this is all very interesting to me. The Bobcats. I love it. It's fine. The Bobcats in well, also they got they got blown out by the Knicks that last game. I think it was like a twenty point, twenty five point loss. Um, but in the draft lottery, right? You know, hey, we're going to be this bad. Let's uh, let's go out and get Anthony Davis, right? You know, the, the Victor Wembanyama before or whatever. Um, the Bobcats, based on their record, had a twenty five percent chance at the number one pick, which for being that bad is not good enough odds. But you know, it's the best chance out of anyone. But by the end of the drawing. They had a 64.6% chance to the Hornets, 35.4% chance. The Hornets were the team that literally the dude was like, kiss my grits. I'm going over here. You guys suck. I'm starting my own franchise in New Orleans um, because these were the last two teams left in the, the lottery. The Bobcats had a 64.6% chance to get AD and the Hornets had a 35.4% chance. The Hornets won. And not only did the Hornets win, but the Bobcats selected Michael Kidd Gilchrist at number two. Pull the shirt out. Pull the shirt out. I, I don't have it on it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
I'll Could always you... the most infamous graphic of all time is Melo versus Kid Gilchrist. I was just gonna bring that up. That <laughs> is like it's it represents the Charlotte Bobcats. <laughs> it was like fifty six points on like twenty of twenty three shooting to four points on like two of four <laughs> shooting. The uh, Lex Lexus player comparison, right? <laughs> That's lethal, man. That's actually lethal. <laughs> That man got fried. Hung out to dry. But uh, there's your 2012 Charlotte Bobcats. That uh, uh, Jordan shoe story is hilarious. I think the I think the thing that gets that gets that that stands out to me the most is um, the hypocrisy of Michael Jordan as an owner, because you know how he was like he was like one of the main main guys to give to get to get players paid. And then when he becomes an owner, just switched up. Yeah, so I don't know if we went into detail before about the whole lockout situation, but like with the B, I forget, BPI or something, bas- or basketball, BRI, basketball-related income, right. MJ was saying like, I think it was even in his Hall of Fame speech when he was like, you know, the, the players are the ones making the money. I don't know why these owners are, yeah. you know. But then yeah. he goes out and is like, you know, we want more than the players hurts his own team and what's so funny i didn't mention about the um kwame brown situation obviously he's known as an awful draft bust but mj selected him like i didn't i'm i forgot that mj was like he actually actually made the pick for the wizards and like made the decision to go down and play for the team and he publicly obliterated kwame brown Mm -hmm. like just completely ruined all his confidence and that's like a side of MJ obviously he's extremely competitive which is also just hilarious that he decided to tank and win seven games um but they were just so hideously bad um partly because the whole Kwame Brown situation he comes back to Charlotte and actually plays well with yes. MJ sitting there watching him he brought him back which is really really weird and the fact that he played and, really and well Kwame Brown actually has stated that he thanks MJ for reviving his career he yes. credited MJ yes yeah Yes, so then the next year, uh, I'm not. They absolutely would not have been the worst basketball team of all time if Kawame Brown, which is so crazy, you need Kawame to to become a better basketball team. If he was there as a, I'm not even. I won't even want to say an anchor. Someone in the paint. Byron Mullins was not in the paint. Bismack Biyombo could was not Bismack the the cool rotational big that blocks a lot. Like, yeah, he just he was not. He was 19, bro. I don't like that. Literally, could have been a difference, along with all the dumb trades they made. I, I, like it's you. You know what I mean? Like this is why this episode. Like, what do you like? They suck. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Like, usually every deep dive, I try to give some sort of credit or some sort of like way. Well, and that's the thing. So we can we can credit the players. I mm. think. Gerald Henderson was a solid player on the uh, roster. Yeah, when I say suck, I don't mean like the play. I mean like the team, like the way oh, it was built, like the people in the back. The, like it was just no, the worst group of people. And that's the thing. I think if we are to go about this in a positive light, it's to say that the people on the court, aside from Boris Diaw, but I still forgive him, were at least were trying. It's it's yeah. This like, is, what this you... is strictly on the front office. There's yeah, no like, way like, you can assemble a team like this next week. Like all these like a lot of these guys like DJ Augustine has proven he can be a great role player. Gerald Henderson, great vet, great role player. Kemba Walker, you saw what he's done in his career, right? Like Bismack Biombo when he had a chance in Toronto, he did something good. Um 
there are a lot of players, I'll be honest, that shouldn't have been in the league. But like, hey, you you give me a million dollars, I'll go play in an NBA game. I shouldn't be playing in an NBA game, but I'll go. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that that's just that's the reality of it. So MJ's MJ's godson, that pick was so funny. Yeah, um, he's his godson. He's like, bro. he's like sitting around like a table at Thanksgiving. He's like, hey son, you want to play for the Bobcat? He's like, man, I need a, I need an extra player. He's looking at the table. He's like, you're a little tall. <laughs> uh, I mean, shout out to him. He played the least amount of minutes and averaged points per game than four of the players. Jeez. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else? I think this is a good time to wrap it up so we don't I'm, ramble. On. I'm really happy we went for 40 minutes. I guess yeah. the last thing I'll say is that I think Bobcat's history is some of the most interesting of the franchises, even though it was the, obviously the the biggest dumpster fire. Mm. Um, the 2010s next was a big dumpster fire, but this is like, this is monumental. No, this is um, <laughs> this, this is monumental. Because they went into the season, they're like, yeah, don't, don't be surprised, we get a playoff spot. Yeah, and they're trying to like actually lure in a, yeah. a star player. <laughs> you want to be in Charlotte, I promise you, man. You got to be in Charlotte. Charlotte's where it's at. But, uh, but this is a great way to end the episode. This is a great episode in general. I really liked how we faded away from a player-specific t- and uh, kind of went into a team-specific episode. But we appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate everybody for waiting for us to come back. Obviously, we're going to be back to weekly uploads now that we have the go-ahead to to do what we want to do. We're excited for the NBA season to come up. It'll be interesting to see how the content meshes with things that are happening in real time. Uh, but other than that, you know, make sure to give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Music, subscribe on YouTube, comment, whatever it may be. We genuinely, we do read everything. Um, and we appreciate the love that we have been receiving over the time that we have been doing this podcast, of course. And as always, if you have any constructive criticism, let us know as well. And we'll try and fix anything to make the show even better for you guys, for you guys to listen to. But as always, we thank you again for listening to the show. And we will see you guys in episode 91. Peace.